0: You have all made it through the dance. You have all made it, made it, made it. Coming to you from the X Access. It's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 357. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us, glad to have you back once again, and it's fun to close out the year with a bang with someone who is super interesting, someone doing cool work that we don't know a ton about, we all experience it, but we may not be highly attuned to it, which is kind of the reason I started this show to begin with. This is going to be the last episode of the year, and I'm booking for January, we're going to come out strong out of the gate, and we've got a blog series that I'm going to tell you about here in a second, but first things first. Episode 357, I've got Sun Roseline. She is the president of the Sports Field Management Association, which is a nonprofit trade association dedicated to empowering and providing resources for the professionals who oversee sports fields at pro stadiums, universities, K 12 schools, and local parks and recreation facilities. So, when I say you have encountered their work, you have. We are a sports obsessed country. Whether you like watching football on Saturdays, or Sundays, or Mondays, or Fridays or Thursdays, really, it's pretty much every day that there's football. Now that I think about it, the sports field managers of the world are out there making sure that that field is as good as it can possibly be for anyone who plays on it. And so in this episode of the show, Sun and I talk about all sorts of different things, how she got into this field, why it's rewarding, the technological advances that they have with GPS mapping and sensors that can tell when a very small patch of grass needs more or less water. You know, when you watch the baseball all-star game or sometimes even just regular games and there's like patterns in the outfield, how do they do that? The answer is going to surprise you and is one of my favorite things in this episode. But Sun is just that. She is an absolute ray of sunshine and a great ambassador for what she does and also is a champion of visibility for getting more women involved in this line of work, because like many industries, it's traditionally been an old boys club. So how do we break down some of those barriers and make sure that women have all the same opportunities that men do? I absolutely adored this chat and I think you will too, because number one, it's fun, it's easy going, it goes by in a hurry. Second, we learn about something that's beautiful. We learn about something that is functional and we get to look at a profession that we don't understand all that well. Maybe we think we do, but I promise you after this conversation, that you don't. That's all coming up here in a second. Now, I mentioned this is my last audio episode of the year. It is, as I said, be coming back strong in January. But between now and then, we are currently three entries into my large J-O-A-T 50 song countdown, where every weekday, I write a long form essay about a song that I love. Literally, I have chosen and ranked my top 50 songs of all time and written an article about each of them. Now, You don't have to be any kind of music expert to enjoy this, because if you've been with me for a long time and you like my writing, you'll enjoy these. These are essays about me, about my life, about interesting anecdotes and insights that I can call using songs as sort of the entry point, because I don't know about you, when I think about my life, I often have music soundtracking moments of my life, like what was I listening to then? What was on the radio? What was popular at the time that I was dating this person or I was going through this? This series explores that in great detail. I'm incredibly proud of it. I think it's some of the strongest writing I've done in a long time. And if you like it, share it, do whatever you can. Visibility helps. Now then, back to the task at hand. We're not talking music, we're talking sports field management. Everything from football to baseball to soccer, you name it, we cover it on this episode. My guest is Sun Roseline. She is the president of the Sports Field Management Association. Her day job is also right here in River City. She manages the sports fields for like six different schools in the North Metro area. And she's just an absolute delight. You're going to love it. Episode 357 of the John of All Trades podcast features Sun Roseline. And it starts right now.
1: So obviously Mother Nature wins no matter what we do, right? <laughs> we take all the um, resources, all the knowledge in the world. And if Mother Nature decides to throw us 14 inches of snow, that changes the whole deal. But yeah, we always have that extra special, I don't even know what to say, what to call it, but uh, the extra special ingredient in our day-to-day work of, you know, how do we factor for that, Um where our stadium is, we're uh, along Highway 93, just north of Golden. We are like two miles away from the National Wind Technology Research Center. And for very good reason. It's windy here a lot. And yeah. that makes a big difference in the in the health of the grass. High wind makes for high ET rates of evapotranspiration, so it pulls more moisture out of the plant. So we have to irrigate more um, and more efficiently in order to replace that water that's lost just Just through that one piece um, of the wind factor, so weather is a constant for
0: sure. I I can imagine. I mean, that is one variable you can never control for because I have done professional events, and you're just always hoping for the for the weather to cooperate. No, like no, kind of no matter what that means too. Because, you know, ski resorts want a lot of snow. I got married October 10th. I mean, this was years ago, but October 10th. So you're thinking, oh, you know, nice. Should be uh, good weather, maybe 60s. It was 2009, and that was the year that on October 10th, they canceled a Rockies playoff game. Because it was ice and snow and it didn't get above 20 degrees. And I got married that day. All our photos were supposed to be outside. So I, f- nice. <laughs> I feel that. that's. I mean, that's your whole life, right? I Looking at the weather forecast.
1: Right. And I mean, all that being said, like we can't really control it, but we can plan for it in some ways. You know, we can adjust our irrigation scheduling depending on, hey, we're going to get a little rain. We're going to get a lot of rain. We're gonna need a lot of snow, you know. Um, our fields are sand-based, so they drain very well. Oh, okay. Uh, so we have a little bit more flexibility with uh, larger moisture events, whether it be snow or rain. So we can not necessarily control it, but we can plan for it for yeah. sure.
0: I, I have great affinity for what you do because you are right by mild stomping grounds, right where I grew up. So I grew up in Golden, Colorado. You said you're just up the road. You talked about Highway 93, and that is one windy stretch of road. <laughs> Yeah. Because I dated a girl in high school who lived in Cole Creek Canyon, so I was taking Highway 93 all the time. And in my little, what was I driving at the time? My Volkswagen Jetta. You, could, you could feel it. I mean, <laughs> or oh, yeah. really something. Yeah. So, so it's high time we introduce you. This is uh, Sun Roseline, and you are the newly appointed president of the Sports Field Management Association. Which we'll get into that here a little bit. But it's great to have you. It's very nice to meet you.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for the opportunity. I'm excited to meet you as well.
0: Thanks for having us. So I want to talk about this first because I got to get this out of the way. I was introduced to you by someone else. And as I read about you, I go, oh, this is really cool because one of my first and favorite jobs was I worked for City of Golden doing baseball field maintenance. And so we weren't doing any of the turf stuff, but you know, we would chalk lines, we would drag in fields, clean out dugouts, all that kind of stuff. But we would get it ready for everything from high school softball, to t-ball, to coaches pitch, to beer league softball, to competitive softball, which those guys are a different breed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Those guys take it really, really seriously. But I sort of underestimated at the time just how vital a, a good playing surface is to everyone's enjoyment. And so that's kind of what the Sports Field Management Association is all about. So can you tell me a little bit about the organization and how you came to be president?
1: Yeah, so our organization represents sports field managers from all over the country, um, from Parks and Rec, which is what you were just referring to. Mm-hmm. So your, you know, softball leagues, baseball leagues, soccer, pee wee football leagues, all those things. So Parks and Rec, K through twelve school district, which is where I work. I work for Jeffco Schools Athletics, College and University. So think School of Mines, CU Boulder, you know, all that level, and then up through professional, of course. So wow. Rockies, Broncos. All those people are who our association represents. And um, association-wise, we're geared really towards educating the sports field manager. Okay. And so we provide a lot of resources as far as education is concerned. You know, annual conference and exhibition is our largest event. All that education is geared towards actual, like, how do you manage turf grass? How do you manage an infield skin? Um, Because all that stuff is... of what we do every day and it's different every place so there isn't one blanket answer and then we also kind of go into um you know research behind why we make these decisions all that culminates into the number one goal which is providing a safe playing field for athletes of all ages you're eight years old or you know 30 or beyond
0: so yeah that that makes good sense to me because my daughter was playing in she's seven so she was playing in this little soccer league and we just did like a public park here in city of denver yeah. and you know i mean it, it's a park so you've got people out there just playing ultimate frisbee you know pickup but you've also got you know people exercising people walking their dogs and so the grass is like really uneven someone would kick it and then it would just die in a place right there'd be yeah. like a divot in the field or something and you're thinking to yourself, like, they're seven, so they're like Wolverine. And just, <laughs> you know, if they hurt themselves, they'll fall down, rub some dirt on it, get up and be fine. Yeah. But as you sort of progress, you, you need that integrity and reliability of the field. Because I, I was really struck by you saying you want to ensure a safe and fun, uh, I don't remember exactly how you phrased it, but uh, a safe and fun experience for every athlete, kind of no matter their age the more you can sort of eliminate the uncertainty of like, hey, the playing field, like there's a big lip on the end of this infield or whatever, that, that goes a long way. And I think that's underestimated and not well understood or well seen by the public. Have you found that to be true?
1: Oh, absolutely. A big part of our industry is, you know, our work is done before the gates are open. So yeah. before kickoff, before, you know, tickets are sold. So I don't think the public necessarily understands how much goes into, um, sports field management in general, but a lot of the public has played sports at some point in their career. Right. You know, you talk about softball, baseball, I grew up playing softball all, you know, since I was little, all the way through college, I thought I wanted to be a college softball coach. Um, Mm -hmm. I was getting my master's degree heading that direction when I discovered turf grass management. But because we've all played on those fields, we understand on some level how important it is to make sure that you're going to get a good bounce, right? You don't want bad hops. (laughs) Um, You don't want to trip over a lip when you're running to the outfield or fall in a hole when you're running bases. So, yeah, and and that doesn't change no matter how old you are. So um, it's a huge, huge part of of what we do every day with the resources we're given. Right. Yeah. So that's a big part of it too. I
0: I think one of the things that, that you're describing, it's something people know intuitively, but until you sort of put it in front of them in, in these terms like this, you go, Oh wow. Yeah. That really is important. Yeah. You know, like, and as soon as you bring it up, then it's like raised to their consciousness and they go, Oh yeah, no. Like I've played on some terrible fields. City of Golden one of our complexes we used to call I think it was field 5 we used to call it the toxic wasteland oh. because no matter what you did there would be weeds on that field. Yeah. And so like we didn't we tended not to schedule games there unless it was absolutely absolutely necessary but there wasn't a lot you could do there and I mean Golden's challenging because so much of the soil is clay. Yep. And so for you being the head of this association I mean I have to imagine the fields are much different in Colorado than they are, say, in Pennsylvania or Nebraska or Washington or wherever. How do you sort of adjust your education programs to accommodate all those different types of soil and all those different types of weather environments?
1: Yeah, I mean, that is tough, you know, even from where I sit just north of Golden to where like Jeffco Stadium is, for example, Six and Kipling are mm-hmm. different. We have different microclimates, so
0: wow, you know, microclimates, jeez. You
1: know, yeah. <laughs> so you know, um, as far as an education standpoint, you know, we try to give our membership all the tools they need to make the best management decisions for their facility. So, like I said, there's not a blanket. This is how you do it. This is you know, check these boxes, and you're going to be good. But here's the information that you need to make the best decisions based on your climate, your um, available resources. And, you know, the more we can arm our membership with the knowledge, the better those fields are going to be because they're able to use the resources available to them in the best manner possible.
0: Okay. So that makes sense. You, you give a base level of knowledge and it's like adapt this to your unique circumstances.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, there's, um, I say a lot that our profession is is the ultimate STEM career because you got Mm. science, you got to know how to, you know, support the grass plants to grow in a um, difficult environment. Technology, you know, obviously everything's technologically um, based now and that's happening more and more. We're getting robotic painters, robotic mowers, um, Mm. any kind of technological advances, uh, smart irrigation controllers, engineering. We have to engineer on the fly all the time. If we don't have something, we got to figure out how to make it. So we get the things we need and there is a lot of math involved. So those are kind of the basics, but then understanding, you know, how those basics apply to your specific sports field complex on location is, is really the creative part of uh, what we get to do. So I think that's one of the most fun parts is, is the problem solving and the creative solutions that we get to come up with on the fly.
0: That's really, really cool. Speaking of technology, you mentioned robotic painters. I'm thinking about what... So I was doing this. This was more than 20 years ago at this point. But when you're chalking a line, there was very few feelings worse professionally in that job than looking back and being like, that line is not straight. Yeah. <laughs> like, because that, that affects how play unfolds too. Like, if you don't have a line with good integrity, then that affects how the game is played. Uh, yep. And you go, I can't... Like, am I going to have to redrag this field? Unreal. <laughs> and so yeah. taking some of that human element out of it because what we used to do is we used to have like a, like a string that would be attached and you'd hammer it into the ground and then you'd take your chalker or your painter or whatever and you'd typically what we would do is we would like close one eye and look and just walk and try and make sure that line was straight yeah wasn't always the easiest thing but I'm curious, using that as sort of a baseline, because you mentioned it, uh, what are some of the other technological advances in terms of managing a field that other people might be interested in?
1: Well, yeah. So robotic mowers um, are not necessarily on fields, but maybe in more common areas. Mm. Robotic painters, we don't have one. Uh,
0: Wait, you know, when you say, hold on. When you say a robotic mower, yeah. I'm picturing like a, like a Roomba, but like with grass. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Cool. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great <laughs> example of it. Um, but yeah, they're great for you know, common areas, um, hills, like, you know, slopes that are unsafe for humans to um, maintain and and mow and stuff. So, you know, smart controllers, we obviously in Colorado, we need to be very efficient and smart with our water use. I think sports fields and golf courses get a lot of bad rap for being a waste of water.
0: Oh, But in
1: fact, the reverse is true. I mean, our colleagues are using soil moisture sensors, they're using, you know, smart controllers. So they're Providing the plant exactly what it needs to be healthy and perform, um, nothing more, nothing less. Because we do, we are environment environmental stewards. We do understand how important that resource is, so we want to make sure that we are are taking care of that the best we can.
0: You know, for one of my clients, we recently recorded someone who works uh, for Space Foundation, and she said so much of what we do in our lives has been has come directly from you know space technology. So, you know, everything from the satellites that that our phones use to even just smaller, more practical things. So what you're describing here in terms of soil moisture sensor, uh, what did you even say?
1: Yeah, soil moisture sensors.
0: Soil moisture sensors. That is oddly a tongue twister. Can some of what you've discovered technologically here, have you applied that or have you shared that with others in other fields that can be applied beyond the sports management industry?
1: That's a great question. I'm sure a lot of it can be, Um, you know, the, the golf course uh, superintendents association of America and sports field manager management association, you know, we share a lot of those common um, needs and then common thoughts of like, Hey, we need to take care of, of the earth, basically that we're responsible for. So our two associations, uh, some, you know, landscape uh, management companies, larger ones that are maintaining, you know, large projects, large properties. I think they're using some of the si- similar um, advancements, but, you know, I, I didn't even talk about like GPS sprayers. There, there are some spray rigs that each nozzle on the sprayer is controlled by GPS. So you reduce overlap, <laughs> you reduce waste, you're literally like um, spot precision managing, you know, your turf grass. So wow. the, te- the technology is really helping us be even more efficient in what we know needs to be done, but we're using the technological, technological advances to help us get even closer to just nailing it right on the head.
0: That is incredible. I, and yeah. I don't think most people would know that. Yeah, um, no. Like at, at all. The, the, the level of granularity that you just described in terms of at its most base and using sort of a vulgar way of describing it, watering the grass. Yeah. Um, but I mean, even you, you can use this in your own neighborhood. Have you ever walked around with your dog or whatever, and you see someone's sprinklers just spraying all over the sidewalk? You go, man, what a waste. So...
1: That drives me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can
0: only imagine. Yeah.
1: But there are even smart, um, smart controllers for homeowners now. You know, there are a couple different brands that use local weather data, and they'll turn it off automatically if it's rained to a certain threshold. Well, there are tools available for homeowners, too, that, you know, have probably come from what we're using at larger applications, um, but can help, again, just kind of protect those resources that are unfortunately not readily available here in Colorado.
0: <laughs> what was the moment for you? Because you mentioned you wanted to be a, so- a college softball coach, potentially. That mm-hmm. was, you had the idea of doing that. Yeah. At what point did you go, ooh, this might be an interesting pivot for me, and what drew you to the industry?
1: Yeah, so great question. I just uh I kind of lucked into a summer job on a local grounds crew with a um minor league baseball team where I was living in Lexington, Kentucky at the time. Lexington which which Legends, team is it? Lexington Legends. Okay, cool. Um they are now the Lexington counter clocks or something. They've changed uh names <laughs> over the years. But...
0: Counterclocks?
1: yeah um but, has to do with horse racing and how they I'm
0: sure it that way. I absolutely love the names of minor league baseball teams <laughs> by the way they, yeah. that is some of the most gonzo branding that is out there like, <laughs> like kind of no matter where you are whether it's like the Rancho Cucamonga quakes out in California yes. or like the yep. Quad City River bandits in Iowa just yep. great great names all throughout minor league baseball the counterclocks man that one's fantastic
1: yeah <laughs> yeah there are some really good ones. A lot of fun for sure. But so, yeah, I just, I just was on a, you know, summer grounds crew and I was like, this is really cool. I get to still be outside. I love to be around baseball and this is a way to kind of have a career out of it. But the like big event that really happened for me was, so there aren't very many females in our profession. Hmm. Uh, We make up um, in the SFMA, we're about 4% of the membership, but there's um, at the time there was one female head groundskeeper in major league baseball. Her name's Tether Nabosny with the Detroit Tigers and she kind of got word that, um, I was starting in the industry and she invited me to come up and work the MLB all-star game nice. at Tiger stadium in 2005. And I was like, holy cow, this is so cool. This is a profession. Like it's not just a, not just a summer gig, you know, it's something that I can really become a professional. And we have certifications, we have ongoing education, we have, um, all kinds of stuff to support an actual long-term career career. And my mom worked a job that she didn't necessarily enjoy every day or many days sure but um, and so she kind of told me like over the years, if you can find something that you like, go that route, and I absolutely love it i you know I did finish my master's degree, which I'm happy about, but kind of changed my my career path, and I wouldn't change that decision for a second
0: fantastic. So, yeah. What is your master's degree in
1: sports administration okay, so it's not too far off, but sure. um
0: it's kind of a yeah. Jace, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's coming in
0: handy now. Um, I, I want to talk more about women in the industry, but first, forgive me kind of a dumb question because you mentioned the All-Star Game. I've always wondered how grounds crews mow patterns into the outfield, Whether that's just a simple plaid or whether that's, you know, like a star, it says All-Star Game on it, or, you know, it's a team logo or whatever. How do you do that?
1: Yeah, so awesome question again. I was lucky enough to get invited to work the All Star Game in Colorado a couple of years ago, which was oh yeah, fantastic. cool.
0: Yeah, what was that? Twenty one.
1: Twenty one. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So a couple different ways. um, Mowing, of course. So how you get the stripes? If you're imagine you know standing at home plate and you're looking at the outfield and you see a light stripe and a dark stripe. Mm-hmm. So the light stripe, the mower is is moving away from you and pushing the grass blades away from you so the light reflects off of the length of the grass blade a dark stripe the mower is coming toward you so the light is reflecting off the tip of the grass blade so there's not as much surface area for the light to reflect off of that's how you kind of create a pattern is it's all light and dark and then crisscrossing directions and you know the direction that you're driving
0: that is much simpler than i then I had it built up in my head to be, but okay. So let's talk about a little bit more complex patterns.
1: Yes. So, um, if you think about the all-star game at uh, Coors field a couple years ago, you know, it did have that ASG on the outfield and that pattern that's actually produced by using a machine that's hooked up to air compressors. And so it's a pattern is entered into a program um, based on GPS And then the machine actually travels over the field and uses compressed air and nozzles to blow the grass blades in those different directions to create those really intricate patterns.
0: Wow. Is it like wheels or is it like drones? Is it floating above? Like, how does it work?
1: No, it's actually, um, it looks like a a zero turn mower, uh, something that you would see in a lot of applications. You know, you see them driving down the road every day. I'm driving, they're mowing, but... Um, It just looks like a regular old riding mower, um, but it's, it's kind of retrofitted with this different system and yeah, it's pretty cool how that gets laid out. You know, there are some other uh, ways to do it, string and brushes. You can broom stuff, you can roll stuff, Um, but it's all about the direction that the grass blades are actually laying. That's how you create that pattern.
0: It's just the direction of the grass blades. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. for yeah because that's that's sort of mind-blowing to me when you mentioned you know using gps and then there's a machine that follows gps and it, it does this in a very specific way i was wondering and i i can't remember back this far but it it feels like you know there were there were patterns in in outfield grass before gps was really probably used writ large in this way and so you mentioned brushes that that had to take a lot more time and be much more labor-intensive is that true
1: Oh, for sure. Um, I personally don't have any experience with that um, other than when I got to work the All-Star Game in Detroit and I'm looking at a picture of the outfield on my desk right now. There was just like a big star in center field. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you think about the points of a star, like that's much bigger than any mower or broom would be. So um, that was a lot of, you know, handwork of protecting the outside edges so that we could get the points, you know, to be very sharp and crisp looking. So yeah, there's certainly some labor-intensive ways to go about it. You know, you can go very low-tech and just use some string lines and flower <laughs> pattern or whatever, or you can go super high-tech and you know use GPS units. So wow, it's accessible for anybody really.
0: That's really cool. I. I don't know if this happens to you, but sometimes when something that I do professionally, that's really cool that people just sort of like gloss over there, like, Oh yeah, that's neat. And then they just move on mentally. I'm always like, you're not paying this the proper amount of respect. Does that ever happen to you?
1: (laughs) I've noticed that from time to time. Yes.
0: (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) So you mentioned, um, it's roughly 4%, uh, women in this field. And I say field, no pun intended there, but, um, it's it's 4% and one of the things that that I've noticed is for anyone if you can see it you can be it. And in this case visibility really really matters and certainly your industry is not alone in having you know less female representation than it probably could or should. So in terms of where you are in your current position What types of things are you doing to try and encourage more women to go into this field?
1: So funny that you brought up see it be it. That is kind of one of our hashtags um, for women in turfgrass because you're exactly right. It's all about visibility. Uh, A, visibility that our profession is a thing because, like I said, I grew up on sports fields and had no idea that it was a career or profession that I could pursue. But B, you know, being able to succeed as a female um, in the industry, which is largely, you know, male, obviously. In 2021, my coworker, Christy Clay, and I were invited to be part of the course maintenance crew for the U.S. Uh, Women's Open Golf Championship at the Olympic Club in San Francisco. Nice. And that was kind of the first large-scale event where a large group of women, there were 30 of us, who came together to perform course maintenance duties. And there was a lot of a lot of buzz around that. Nice. Um, which was fantastic. And then... It was an incredible experience and it really changed a lot of things about our industry now just a couple years you know ahead looking back so we get home from that event and uh, kimberly who organized that crew had called and said hey yeah that was really great what are we going to do in the sports field side now it's like wow that's a great question and i had heard about the uh, little league softball world series um, which is held in greenville north carolina and um, a colleague industry colleague had had a difficult time getting volunteers for that event the previous year. So gave him a call and I said, Hey, what would you think about allowing a group of women to come in and, and help you out with this tournament? know you had a hard time getting people to show up for us. It's a fantastic visibility piece because those girls are 11 and 12 years old. Mm-hmm. They're starting to kind of think about what they might want to do when they grow up. Sure. Um, so it gives us visibility as far as a profession and, and women in it. You know, it's a great way to stay close to the game once their playing days are over. But also, that's an international tournament. Yeah, we have you know teams from Canada, from um, France, from uh, South Pacific. You know, so we get not only exposure to those young ladies and their families, but also internationally. Games are televised on ESPN. The commentators were talking about us as the female grounds crew. Um, so. Uh, Yeah, we're trying really hard to get the word out that, yes, this is a profession. Yes, it's something that, you know, as a female, you can succeed in. And yes, it's a whole lot of fun along the way.
0: That's awesome. I mean, like, what a cool thing to be a part of, too, where you get to be the first and just like breaking through and being like, hey, yeah, we're here. And this is really cool. And I enjoy it
1: yeah we uh, we kind of say that we're um, breaking the grass ceiling <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that's very clever well done yeah. <laughs> a lot of what you hear about right now in terms of the the US economy is people having trouble with workforce in terms of what you do how is the workforce challenges associated with field and turf management uh,
1: great question so I was just uh, speaking at a conference in um southeast regional which is south carolina Carolina, north carolina and you know we talk about labor shortages and kind of asked a switch on that question of like how many people in the room have way too many people on their crew they've got more (laughs) more help than they know what to do with and that's that's exactly the response everybody laughed and was like yeah right haven't had that in forever so there are lots of open positions in every level so you know, if you're passionate about soccer, there's a job at a soccer stadium, soccer facility, MLS, um, you know, college, university type. There's going to be a job somewhere. And whatever you're passionate about, whichever sport you love, this profession could take you anywhere you want to go, too. It's not just Denver. It's not just Colorado. It's it's really worldwide, like World Cup, you yeah. know, Olympics, golf, obviously, everywhere as well. But there's sports that can take you all across the country. NFL just hosted a game in Germany. Um, and those are a lot of American NFL field managers who went over to, to prep that field and work on that field to get it ready for the game. Wow! Um, the opportunities are certainly out there and available. It's, it's not something that's Exclusive by any means. Sure. And you don't have to have a degree to go into it and be successful either. You know, we have some certifications and some programs that will help you learn more along the way from an association standpoint. And there's a lot of really great mentors out there who will happily teach you everything you want to know about how to be successful in this profession.
0: Wow. That sounds really cool. What can someone expect in terms of? you know, and and you don't have to be super specific about this, but in terms of like earning potential of of doing this type of work, what might someone expect? And in terms of growth trajectory as well?
1: That's a great question. It's kind of all over the board. Um, And we have not done an industry survey recently for me to give you some accurate numbers on that. So if I were to make up a number, it would We'd be making it sure. up but you know if there are some very high- level positions that make it worth your while you know it's stressful it's a lot of responsibility but the more we get recognized as experts as well yeah. the more that earning potential grows so the more professionalism we have the more um, respect we earn you know people understand are starting to understand more and more how important it is to have a qualified educated sports field manager if not a certified sports field manager which is kind of our um, pinnacle. Uh, certification within the industry for our members
0: well that puts you in in, an interesting position of leverage too because it's like if people are diminishing what they perceive as the value of this job you can say look try it without it because i think you'll find out in a hurry just the difference in play the difference in player satisfaction this in many ways is is going to be the tip of the spear because if the field is off All of a sudden, you're going to hear about it. One of my good friends is Reed Saunders, who is the public address announcer for the Colorado Rockies. Mm -hmm. And he said, the only time people really notice you is when you make a mistake. Yeah. And so for this, you know, when you're talking with people who hire you and people who manage these things and manage different leagues, you know, you say, look, if you don't have your field right, you're going to hear a lot of heat. So this is almost like an ounce of prevention versus a pound of cure.
1: Yeah. And even when I first started in the industry, you know, 20ish years ago, that was totally the kind of the underlying current was like if people don't know your name, that means you're doing your job well. But oh, what yeah. <laughs> we wanna do, what we want to do is flip that script and like we want people to know our names because we are really good at our jobs. We yeah. are field experts, which is that's our Twitter handle is field experts literally. Nice. Um but we want people to know who we are and what we do because we need people there's a need and if you don't know about it there's no way you're going to find it (laughs) so uh, yeah it's an interesting spot to be in for sure
0: so I want to ask you this from two different angles so the first one will be since you brought up an NFL game in Germany recently let's say you are the field manager for any NFL team and you have a game coming up on Sunday take me a week out or however far out you want to go to make sure that that field is in tip-top shape before kickoff on Sunday?
1: Uh, it honestly probably starts a year out and <laughs> a I, year. Never, yeah. I mean, I've never worked in that realm in that, that specific capacity, sure. but so I'm, I'm kind of, you know, flying, flying yeah. loose here. But if, if you want to take um, this
0: to a more personal angle with something that that you've done, like, but like, let's, let's go professional level first. Sure. And yeah. then I want to take it down to sort of high school level, uh, where you work now but yeah take me through a professional sort of prep for a game versus doing one at the high school level and and with all the fields that you manage and all the different sports
1: sure so you know once you get your schedule of events and games. And that's, that's the difficult thing about, especially those professional stadiums that they're, they are largely event centers now. Yeah. You know, the high seating capacity brings big events. So concerts, monster trucks, all that kind of stuff. So the entire schedule. So, you know, you have these couple of windows to do some uh, maintenance, you know, you can aerate on this day, you know, you have, you're going to put down a preventative spray application, uh, fungicide application on this day, you know, you're going to fertilize here, you know, <laughs> We want to, um, you know, kind of boost the field so it's uh, really, really healthy going into this game stretch. Maybe you have two games in a row. Most things for us are based off of schedule and available days for, for maintenance. Wow! Um, and that is the same at our level. You know, that's no different. Just okay. that we probably have some bigger, bigger windows for those things to happen. But we do the same thing here. Um, so to give you an example, our football season here at the NAC, we don't have bye weeks So uh, because we're the home field for six high schools, we have (laughs) multiple games every single week for 10 weeks straight of regular season plus playoffs. So like Monday is our maintenance window. So I can aerate on Monday and then, you know, we're getting the stadium cleaned up. We're working on the soccer field. We're, you know, Wednesday is paint day every week because Mm -hmm. we're going to have games on Thursday, Friday. So it's really kind of taking your game schedule and working backwards to figure out when you can plug in what, what the field is going to need in those times. And then all the like nutrient applications and stuff are going to be based off of soil tests. So we pull soil tests and we say like, okay, here's what our fields are deficient in. Here's what we know our fields are going to need, you know, to perform at its best and plan that around those windows.
0: (laughs) And then you throw the complicating factor of weather, because I imagine you can't aerate in every weather. You can't add nutrient in every weather. Is that fair?
1: Pretty fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's a delicate balance of, you know, finding those right windows and um early in my career there were times when I kept waiting for like the perfect time. But there's no such thing, you know. So um have to be a little bit more flexible and understand like I'm doing this for, you know, the the betterment of the field and yeah, it sucks I have to wear sixteen layers to get (laughs) this done. Yeah. And, And washes on top of it. But um
0: So, yeah, it's, uh, well, I've, I've worked in PR for my entire professional career and one axiom I live by is a good plan today is better than the perfect plan tomorrow.
1: Oh, good. I love it.
0: So feel free to steal that if that's useful to you. Um, yeah, I, I just really enjoy that because it's like, we can do this now. We have a window of availability, do it, like make it happen because tomorrow is promised to no one and take that in any direction you want to take it because, There are any of eight zillion complicating factors that can arise kind of no matter what you're doing. And what you're describing is, I mean, there are a lot of elements here between aeration and painting and nutrients. Uh, and then kids come out and got to play on it, regardless of what kind of shape it's in. So you're kind of maximizing what you can do with the availability of time, resources and everything else.
1: Right. But those games are why we're here, right? So- yeah, Exactly. Of course, we're going to do everything we can to be um, the most prepared and have the field uh, at the best quality it can be for every game, no matter whether the weather's been great or the weather's been uh, difficult. So,
0: Absolutely. um, Uh, I know this because a lot of my professional work has been in trade associations, and I know that um, I'm guessing you as president, that is a volunteer position, or is that paid?
1: It's a volunteer, yep.
0: Most of them are, especially when you're president. There's (laughs) professional staff usually – within the organization, and then the president is usually someone from within the membership who has volunteered to lead this. I'm curious what this has done to your schedule and how you manage both your duties with this large nationally-based trade association and the duties that you have in the professional role that pays you.
1: Yeah. Well, we're very lucky. We do have we have headquarters staff, um, we're not a large association. We're, None
0: you know, of them are. That's, the, that's yeah. the thing that people never realize. You think trade associations have all these staff. I work for one where I am one of a staff of two and a half. Yeah. Right? And yeah. if I told you the name of this organization, you'd go, really? There's two full-time staff people and then me as contract? None of them are big. No one ever realizes that unless you actually do work within a trade association.
1: Right. Exactly. But so like in our instance, we have five staff members and we have you know, 2,000 to 2,500 members. So think about those five people doing all the work behind the scenes, all the association stuff for all those members. It's pretty wild. Yeah. So we also have a volunteer board of 13 and those uh, board members represent all the categories of sports load managers. So parks and rec K through 12 college, and university professional, we have commercial members, we have at large members and we have the executive <laughs> committee. Um, so it's uh you know, it's definitely a labor of love and a passion project for all of us, because it it does take a lot of um, heart and soul to make this thing go. Personally here, again, I mentioned Christy earlier. She is an absolute rock star. Um, When I get pulled away for a meeting or whatever it is, she steps up and um, normally it's just the two of us here. So she steps up and does the work of two people and um, just absolutely crushes it when, when she needs to. So I'm really, really, really lucky to have a coworker like her and then also to have the support from Jeffco Athletics, uh, Patrick Simpson and Ezra Paddock. Sure. Um, they understand how important it is to be able to serve and give back to the profession and, and try to make it a little bit better for the next people to come through. So I really appreciate the support. But, man, Christy, Christy really carries That's us.
0: That's awesome. There's, there's always someone there who is doing, like, the yeoman's work, just a total mensch in terms of making all this move forward Uh, yeah
1: and i gotta say christy like you said other trade associations so on top of our day-to-day job our our crew of two is another hashtag of mine um she's also (laughs) an executive director for two local like chapters and um um, so like uh, the colorado chapter of sfma christy runs that um rocky mountain regional turfgrass association christy's the executive director for that so um, there's a lot of passion in this industry and a lot of people who will step up and, and give everything they've got to help make it a little bit better.
0: Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, you were filling me with energy here, which is just <laughs> phenomenal. Let me ask you this. Um, you know, Terms, uh, when you are a president of uh, a trade association like this, your term does not last forever. Right. When you conclude it, if you look back and say, this was really successful, what will you have done?
1: Oh, boy. Great question. And I would have answered that differently probably two years ago. Um, So the way our group works is once you are elected secretary treasurer, it's automatic ascension through the rest of the executive committee. So Mm. I knew two years ago that I was going to be president. Um, Once I got elected to that secretary treasurer position, one of my first calls when I was elected was to our CEO at the time, uh, Kim Hack was her name and said, like, hey, you know, I'm really thrilled to get to work with you hope you're going to be around for a while. And she's like, absolutely you know, I'm as long <laughs> as you have me. And then fast forward and Kim decided to retire. Uh, she'd been with the association for over 18 years and My. given so much to our industry really turned our association around and set us up for future success. And then she's like, okay, I've, I've done my part. I'm ready to, you know, sit back and enjoy life and travel and do all those things. And since then we've been through hiring a new CEO, which I never expected to go through. And she's Boy,
0: that's a process.
1: On, yeah. She's coming up on her one year anniversary uh, So thrilled to have gotten through that piece and trying to get um, her settled in and, and comfortable and ready to, to kind of explode and grow and move forward. Also the explosion kind of of the women in turf piece which was unexpected um but it's happening so fast. Um I hope to help, you know, make that a little bit better as well and uh, continuing to set our association and our membership up for success in their day-to-day jobs and then also improve the association on the whole and just leave it all on the table pretty much. <laughs>
0: That's fantastic. I really like that. Um, okay. So as we draw to a close here, two things I have for you. One, is there anything we haven't covered that you want people to know about what you do? And this industry is anything else that I haven't asked you yet that you'd like to share.
1: I think we kind of touched on earlier. Just the, the possibilities are endless. You know, it's a fantastic way for an athlete to stay close to the sport that they're passionate about beyond the playing days. Um, regardless of the sport, if you love golf, you can work at a golf course, You can be an assistant. You can be a golf course superintendent. Um, If you love soccer, you know, you can work all the way up through the MLS or you can work Parks and Rec where you have all the tournaments and make sure that fields are safe for for the, you know, seven-year-old girls who are playing in the parks. Um, What a wonderful profession it is to be a part of. This group of people are passionate. They are um, always willing to share information and help each other out. It's a very supportive industry. There are no real, like, trade secrets or business secrets. Like I do this differently. That's why I'm fielded here. <laughs> you know, like, we're willing to share all the tips and tricks that we've learned. And we really just want to help each other. And, you know, I, I'm cheering for you to have a successful field just as much as, as this first pers- other person down the road. And, um, everybody's great fields make us all look better. So super cool, unique, job that turns into a career into a profession pretty quickly like the the hook gets set pretty fast for most people once you get into it
0: (laughs) fantastic that is awesome all right now's the time on the show when we do plugs where can people find you your organization anything you want to plug the floor is yours
1: yeah thanks so organization sports field management association um on x i guess i need to call it or twitter you um, can call
0: it twitter on this platform i i don't bother with that goofy new name it's not great so yes on twitter what is it
1: yeah so it's at field experts we have the at women in turf team so if you um, know of a female in the profession or near who wants to learn some more about it reach out to us there and i'm um at sports turf sun Uh, on Twitter as well. So easy spots to find us.
0: Fantastic. All right. Well, I will link to all of that in the companion blog piece. That'll also be in the show notes, whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Audible, wherever you get your pods, I am there. Sun Roseline, this has been an absolute delight. Thank you for sharing the insight. I learned a ton. This was really, really fun for me. And I think if you're listening, you had to get a ton of value too. So whatever you do, wherever you go, I wish you nothing but continued success.
1: Awesome, John. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I've loved the conversation. really appreciate your time.
0: And that'll do it for episode 357 of the John of All Trades podcast. Big thanks to Sun Roseline for showing up, giving me some great insights, some great stories. And I love the work that she does. I wish her nothing but continued success. Stay up to date with John of All Trades on the socials, J-O-A-T pod across platforms. That is Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, Instagram, Blue Sky, and Threads. I am finding a soft landing place where Twitter goes foot, which I think should be anything now. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. I specialize not only in PR, but podcast production. So in addition to this show, I've got seven others under my belt. Happy to bring those to you. If you have an idea for a podcast, come to me. I'll help you get the thing on wheels. dot u s sponsor is four degrees the number four d e g r e dot e s anything you're doing online trying to reach people four degrees can help you do it better building websites online advertising social media marketing they've got data coming out the gazoo they are phenomenal to work with i adore them the number four d e g r e am out of here this is the last you'll hear my voice at least on this platform between now and January. So I hope you have a happy, healthy, safe holiday season. Please check out the new blog series, J-O-A-T 50 Song Countdown. And until I hear you again, say goodnight, crazy.